Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Heather, and I want to remind you about our very special tours to the UK. In 2017, we'll be doing tours focusing on the Evensong experience. The Evensong service comes from Cranmer's Book of Common Prayer from the mid-16th century. It's been dubbed the atheist's favorite service because it requires so little and it gives so much. It's simply divine choral music sung in some of the most historic chapels, abbeys, and cathedrals in England. We'll be spending 10 days visiting places like Cambridge, Oxford, Bath, the Cotswolds, Winchester and Windsor with walking tours, free time to explore, and then gathering back each afternoon for the Evensong service if you choose to attend. It will be 10 days of beautiful countryside, historic cities and villages, and so, so much music. I invite you to go to englandcast.com slash tours for full itinerary and pricing information. Again, englandcast, E-N-G-L-A-N-D-C-A-S-T, englandcast.com slash tours. Thanks so much. And now to the show. Hello and welcome to the Renaissance English History Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Tesco, and I'm a storyteller who makes history accessible because I believe it's a pathway to understanding who we are, our place in the universe, and our connection to our own humanity. This is episode 50. Yay! It's another joint episode with Melita Thomas of Tudor Times on Honor Lyle. And I have to say that we recorded it in the evening. And it was dinner time for my husband and three-year-old daughter, almost three. And so I was sitting outside on the porch and you hear a lot of birds chirping in the background. And I thought about editing them out. I was going to mute them, but then a couple people on the Facebook page said, no, keep them in. And they do sound really nice and springtimey and uh, well, it's summery. So there's birds chirping. I hope you enjoy that. Just a quick note that the Renaissance English History Podcast is a proud member of the Agora Podcast Network, and the Agora Podcast of the Month is actually, drumroll, me. So since you're already listening to me, why not go to agorapodcastnetwork.com and have a look at the other great independent podcasts that you can discover. And as always, you can get show notes and more information about the Renaissance English History Podcast at www.englandcast.com, E-N-G-L-A-N-D-C-A-S-T, englandcast.com, where you can also sign up for my mailing list. Mailing list subscribers receive extra mini casts each month, as well as book giveaways, news, and lots of other cool stuff. 
for this particular episode as well. You can also get lots more information on honor at tutortimes.co.uk, www.tutortimes.co.uk. So moving on from that admin bit, let me introduce Melita Thomas. Melita is a co-founder and editor of Tudor Times, a website devoted to Tudor and Stuart history in the period from 1485 to 1625. You can find it at tudortimes.co.uk. Melita, who has always been fascinated by history ever since she saw the 1970s series Elizabeth R. with Glenda Jackson, also contributes articles to BBC History Extra and Britain Magazine. So Melita, tell me a little bit about Honor and why you chose her as the person of the month this month. Honor's story is quite fascinating. She went from being completely obscure country gentlewoman to being a member of the extended royal family and then back into complete obscurity again, all in the space of 10 years. She was born and brought up in Cornwall, which uh, it's, it's a remote place even now. And certainly in the late 15th, early 16th century, it was very, very far removed from the centre of power. She was a daughter of, a, of the Sheriff of Cornwall, who had been a supporter of Henry VII. And when she was about 20, she married another Cornish gentleman who was about 30 years older than her, Sir John Bassett, uh, lived with him uh, for... Uh, 15, 18 years, they had seven children. She was widowed in her late 30s. And then a year later, she suddenly appears married to the king's half-uncle, Sir Arthur Plantagenet, Viscount Lyle. Now, we don't know how she met him or how she came to marry him. He was uh, also considerably older than her. But they seem to have been extremely happily married. And they left an enormous cache of letters all about their life as the Lord Deputy and Lady Deputy in Calais. So we know a huge amount about a seven-year period of Honor's life, how she related to her family, her friends, the court, other people at the court, her children, her neighbours. And then in 1540, it all went wrong when uh, Lyle was accused of treason, clapped in the tower and died. And Honor disappeared back to Cornwall and is hardly ever heard of again. Yeah. So whether she thought the whole, the whole life was, was, was a dream almost, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Is that partially why you chose her as the person of the month, just because of this, this story is so, so extraordinary? Like well, and b- partly because of the, the letters themselves. And the Lyle letters are one of the best sources of information that we have about uh, that period of Tudor England. We have so much information in them about the life of a family who were, as I say, um, you know, related to the royal family, so they had considerable influence at court. Lyle had one of the most important offices under the crown. He was uh, Lord Deputy of Calais. But the letters themselves cover every conceivable topic. So they talk about Honor's fish ponds in Cornwall. They talk about ordering clothes for her children. They talk about arranging for her son's education. Then there's letters asking for jobs, uh, letters from Honor herself asking for work for her her friends and relatives, letters about quail sent to Queen Jane. Uh, Just just a huge, huge variety. Uh, Letters from her daughters asking for money and clothes. Mm. It's just such a a snapshot of of human life in the Tudor period, and it just shows how much like us they were, and yet 
how different in other ways. That's interesting. This isn't a question that I had sent you before, but I'm just curious because we know I, I personally have heard so much about and read about the past in letters. And I, I looked like on Amazon, there's not a, a recent version of the Lyle letters. And I, you know, I just kind of wonder if you can talk a little bit about how the letters are used and, and if they're well known. And, uh, you know, I guess just a little bit about that. I'm yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised at how little they're used. But they're, they're far, far greater in scope and quantity than the Paston letters. Um, they mm-hmm. transcripts, uh, well, they, they, they're, they're mentioned in the letters and papers of Henry VIII, usually as, as a summary, like, like most of the papers in that collection. But the whole mm-hmm. series were catalogued, transcribed, described, sifted, everything you can imagine, by a scholar named Muriel Sinclair Byrne. And I think she completed this absolutely mammoth task in the 1970s. There's six volumes of these letters, six big, fat volumes mm. of these letters. And there, there are literally thousands of them. So uh, mm. the, the most commonly found version is an abridgment, which is, is quite a you know, solid, solid book in itself. And that's what's mostly used and read. I'm not sure it's in print at the moment. There's um, a, a rather nice uh, version published by the Folio Society, which is always nice to mm. high quality. But yes, it's Muriel Sinclair Burns scholarship that's put these in the public domain. And they're just, you know, they're just, you know, say, six volumes, just a tremendous amount of information. But yeah. I think because there are six volumes and you have to go to the, you know, a library and get hold of these volumes, people rely very much on this single abridged version. So, you know, that's edited highlights. One of the things in the letters, she talks a lot about um, her gifts she sent to Anne Boleyn. What was her relationship with Anne like? Um, she was, well, she came, she first came to court. So she, she married Arthur Lyle in 1529, which was, of course, just about the period when uh, Henry was, um, you know, a- aiming, aiming to divorce Catherine of Aragon. And Lyle was a very, very loyal supporter of his nephew, so whatever his personal feelings, and given that he was certainly in his 60s, if not into his 70s, he's, he's probably unlikely to have actually appreciated Henry's um, change in outlook, shall we say. He was mm-hmm. a supporter of Henry's and he supported the Boleyn marriage. And Honour was one of the ladies who was invited to go to Calais with Anne in 1532, which was obviously uh, you know, very creditable to Anne to have the king's aunt with her but it probably also suggests that that she and Anne were on reasonably good personal terms you mentioned lots of presents well that's one of the things that when honor is quoted or the Lyle letters it all looks rather mercenary and Anne's receiving presents from honor and honor's asking for this or that but that was how the the system worked in Tudor times everybody gave everybody else presents and everybody promoted their friends and their relatives to each other. I mean, that was just how the system worked. This wasn't a world in which there was a jobs market. You couldn't, you know, look online or look in the newspaper to find a job. And so it was a whole system of obligations. So people would send presents and in due course, they'd ask you for a favour and it worked the other way around. So Honour was obviously keen to keep in with Queen Anne and she sent her birds, she sent her birds for the table she sent her birds to sing and she even actually sent her a monkey on one occasion yes but that that you know that was just just how the how the system worked 
And hadn't she? I read um, that she had sent the the dog that fell out of the window, Porky or something <laughs> yeah. like that, the, that, that was... and that had, nobody would tell Anne about it except Henry because they were all afraid to tell her. Yes, Anne Anne had a had a pet dog. I, I think it was it was supposed to be the French Porquoi because apparently that he, he always there looked surprised. This little dog. Oh. Yes, and it, and it fell out of a window. I can't quite imagine how a dog fell out of a window, but there you go. So it was suggested that Anne would like a new dog. So Honor was very quick. Honor actually spent, sent a number of people spaniels. So she sent, she sent one to Anne and apparently Anne was absolutely thrilled and, and sort of grabbed it before it had even been officially handed over to her. So, so that was a, a oh, plus wow. point. Yeah. So then in 1536, how, how did she react to Anne's It downfall? was so dangerous in 1536 to even mention it but it's quite curious how the letters are very, very circumspect about this. There's one very interesting Mm. letter from a chap called John Hussey, who was the Lyle's agent in London. And he wrote to Lyle and to Honour, actually, I think he wrote directly to Honour, on the 13th of May, which was a few days before Anne's trial, saying that the Queen would be executed. So... It was clearly known in London that there was no possibility of a fair trial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely a clue that, you know, the whole thing was absolutely engineered to only end in, in one way. But there's no, nothing, no comments on whether the uh, trial was performed well or badly or, you know, they're, they're all remarkably silent on the subject. Because who knew what, how mm. letters might fall into the wrong hands? Right. But sure. I guess it would have been a terrible shock and because although we look back now and we see that Henry had a rather bloodthirsty career ahead of him, at the time nobody had ever come across anything so dreadful as the, the king having his wife executed. Yeah, and then how? what was her relationship like with Jane Seymour? Well, just about the time that Anne died... Honor's daughters were old enough for her to be looking for places at court for them. So Mm. shortly after Anne's death, in June of 1536, Honor wrote to Lady Salisbury and to Lord Montague, Lady Salisbury's son, saying she had a very good daughter called Anne, who was very accomplished and very beautiful and so forth, just right to be the Queen's maid of honour. And Lady Salisbury was actually not not as influential as she had once been. She, she was a friend of Catherine of Aragon's. And so she wrote back to Honor and said, mm, this all might take quite, quite a long time. So Honor then wrote to a couple more friends, her Lady Rutland, who had been one of Anne's chief ladies and was now serving Jane, and to her own great niece, Mary Arundel, who had a place in the, in the royal household. And she put forward Anne, her daughter, And then she received the information that actually Anne was a bit young. So they then suggested that perhaps the older sister, Catherine, might might do. But Queen Jane said she had enough ladies-in-waiting. She didn't need any more. So Mm. it took quite a while for matters to progress. But Lady Rutland kept, kept plugging away. And then the breakthrough came when Jane was pregnant and she had a craving for quails. Very exotic thing to have a craving for, but apparently she couldn't get enough quails. And mm. they were hard to come by in England, but apparently very easily come by in Calais. So Honor sent parcels of quail to the Queen. They were they were sent live as far as Dover, 
Then they were killed when they got to Dover, which I suppose gave them enough time to mature by the time they got to London. And she sent them in lots of two or three dozen at a time. And the first lot to arrive, after a reminder letter, the king and queen were so delighted, they, they ordered half of them to be killed immediately, to be, uh, to be cooked immediately, and the other half to be saved for supper. So Jane was, Jane was very happy with these quails, and she apparently wanted them to be very fat. And one day she was at supper with Lady Rutland and mentioned how pleased she was with the quail. So Lady Rutland immediately leapt out and said, oh, you know, will you give a place to, to Honor's daughter? And Jane said, oh, you can send both of the girls over on approval and she would give a place to the one she liked the best. Mm. So um, the, both of the girls arrived and Anne got a place and Catherine, the older sister, stayed with Lady, Lady Rutland as one of her attendants. So then within just a couple of years, she was under house arrest and then back in Cornwall. How did that Yeah, all I mean, the, the, the shock must have been absolutely unbelievable. So in about 15, in 1540, this all seems to have been part of a wider plot and place seeking at the Tudor court, as, as we all know, went on all the time. And Cromwell and Norfolk were daggers drawn. And Cromwell had arranged the marriage with Anne of Cleves, which Henry VIII didn't like. The Lyles were considered to be too Catholic. And Cromwell didn't have a very high opinion of Lyle's abilities as Lord Deputy. So, and he'd overruled him in a few matters. So when Norfolk saw an opportunity to get rid of Cromwell, he brought Lyle's complaints forward and said, look, Lyle's been having a very hard time. We need to have a royal commission into what's going on in Calais. So the Royal Commission was opened and they said Lyle was doing a fabulous job, marvellous, and he was sent for to court and everybody thought he was going to leave Calais as a Viscount and return as an Earl, so no doubt Honour was very excited at that thought. But whilst he was in England, having attended the garter ceremonies and been at court, he was suddenly arrested on suspicion of involvement in a very, very far-fetched plot that one of his chaplains had got involved in, apparently with the view to betraying Calais to the Pope and to Cardinal Pole. There was never any evidence that Lyle was involved in it. And uh, none of the, the men who admitted, you know, having had this rather harebrained scheme, ever mentioned him. So he went to the Tower. He was never tried. No charges were ever formally brought against him. And he languished there for two years. Then Henry decided he was actually going to release him. So he sent a messenger with the good news. And poor Lyle, who was probably in his 70s by then, had a heart attack more or less on the spot and died. So, yeah, so <laughs> Honor, having sent her husband off thinking he was going to come back an earl, never saw him again. And oh. when, he, when I, I know, it's just the, the, the shock. Apparently, she was literally beside herself with shock and fear, of course, because, you know, if the king could kill his wife, who knew what he'd do to his uncle? So she'd been put under house arrest at the time that Lyle was sent to the Tower. It, I don't think it was particularly onerous. It was in, in Calais, and she and her daughters were just confined to, to quarters, so to speak. Then the king had them released, and she went straight back to Cornwall and... Yeah, more or less disappears from the record, apart from you know a few land transactions that pop up from time to time. Yeah. So, what do we know? Do do we know anything about her later she life? She lived at 
the manners when her first husband sir john bassett died they'd had seven children he gave her a life interest in his lands so the sons weren't to inherit all of it until until honor died so she retired to Umberley in Devon first, where she lived with her second son, her first son having, having died young. And then when her grandson reached maturity, he did a bit of a land swap and she and her second son retired to Tahiti in Cornwall, 1558, and she died there in 1566. Mm. Her daughter, though, Anne Bassett, continued at court and she served all of Henry's later queens and then Queen Mary as well before dying quite young, actually, probably in childbirth. Yeah, so sort of a, a shooting star, you know, going from Corn- Cornwall to Calais and, and back again in seven years. Wow. <laughs> yes, it's uh, really amazing. Mm. Yeah, things like that didn't really happen so much mm. then, like stories like that. No, I guess not, because people tended to stay in the, you know, the circles in which they were born. And I'd very much like to know how she came to marry Lyle, but I haven't... I haven't got to the bottom of how they were introduced or how they met. And her brother-in-law, Sir John Arundel of, of Lanhearn, he was he was the most important man in Cornwall. So she did have court connections, but she wasn't brought up there. She didn't, you know, she wasn't related closely to, to court families other than the Arundels. Um, but, mm. And it, it's surprising because uh, Lyle, he, he had three daughters by his first marriage, so he might have been looking to have a son, but uh, Honor was well into her thirties, probably probably thirty seven or thirty eight when they married. So, not the best prospect for a for a child. Uh, she did very sadly have a phantom pregnancy, which mm. she was very very distressed about. Not not surprisingly, but Lyle was absolutely devoted to her. So, yes, it, it was a marriage of affection. But how they met, I don't know. So, where can we learn more about her? What are some sources that that you would recommend to learn more about her well really the best one is the the uh, abridged version of the lyle letters uh, that's that's the most accessible and i say the folio society does a nice edition but there are no biographies of her that i know of so so it is i it's, yeah go go for the lyle letters because you, you know you hear the voices of the people as well so Although most of Honor's, most of the letters aren't written by Honor herself, because obviously these are the letters that they received. There is so much, any references to what she had said or done, that you do get a very clear picture of her character. She was very close to all her children. They, her younger daughter, Mary, who was um, put out for training in another household, as was common. She was saying how happy she was, only she missed her mother. And then there's letters where people are writing to Honor saying, well, I've arranged for the children's clothes or your son, you know, he's taken your he's taken your instructions about making sure he eats breakfast before he goes out. And her character does come across very well. Thank you again to Melita Thomas for taking the time to tell us about Honor. For more information on Honor, go to tutortimes.co.uk or see the resource. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Which is available on the England Cast site at EnglandCast.com. I'll be back in two more weeks to start the series on Tudor rebellions in an episode looking at the main themes surrounding the rebellions that our Tudor monarchs had to deal with, what rebels wanted, what made them rebel, and how they were handled. And then we'll move on to more specific rebellions spanning Cornwall, Norfolk, York, and lots of other places in between. It'll be a tour of England based on rebellions. Actually, that would be a really cool idea for a tour, now that I think about it. Okay, well, I will talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.